everyone. Welcome back to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho show. And as usual, I have a very interesting guest for you to listen to today. He is coming from the UK. So he's got very cool accent. His name is Jose Ucar. And he has written a book about global influence. And you know that we're all about influence. A lot of us are introverts and we're looking for ways to influence without talking our heads off because that's just not our style. And I think everybody who's listening today either works for a global company or global supply or international suppliers or international clients. I mean, nobody listening, I think, works for a company where everybody they talk to on a daily basis is from their country. So I'm super excited to bring to you Jose Ocar. And Jose, I want you to tell us your story. Like, how did you get to be talking and and teaching people about global influence and why is that so important? Thank you so much, Laura. Wow, it is a pleasure to be here. Hello, audience. And when you're asking me about my story, we could spend a few hours here talking about <laughs> everything. But let me focus on the communication and the global influence element. And I always like to illustrate this with a story which is about the time I was living in Spain. So let me take you back to 2007. Oh, by the way, I've lived in Spain too, Sevilla. Well, Sevilla, there we go. I mean, <laughs> I'm living in Spain. And going back to international, I was organizing an international conference. And I'm in San Sebastian, which is a city in the north of Spain. And that evening, I was going to be going to Bilbao to the Guggenheim Museum. It's about an hour away. And we were going to be taking a bus. So I'm sitting on that bus, and as I turn around, a gentleman from the UK is sitting next to me, way taller than me, with a very Cockney London accent. And there I am with my Venezuelan accent, you know, when I speak in English, which has improved a little bit. And off we go. His name is Alan. He started asking me questions. He was very curious. He seemed to be so interested in me, even though I had on many occasions to say, will you please repeat that? Say that again, because I mean, I wasn't getting his accent. It was one of the first times I was in front of, you know, a person with that very strong Cockney accent. We kept on conversing. And this is where it gets interesting in terms of influence, in terms of global impact, in terms of what you can do when you begin to master some of the skills that hopefully we will touch on during this podcast. By the end of our journey, which was only an hour, Alan managed to convince me to come and work for him in the UK. Whoa, good job. That was very Amazing impressive. Job. Yeah, wow. but that's you. You did Look, that. Well, well, he did it. I mean, in a way, he influenced me. And 17 years later, here I am doing what I do today, which is I deliver training on communication. I speak about communication, influence, influencing across borders. But all of that started because of that conversation, that ability of that incredible human being to get curious, care, understand another person and persuade them to take a leap, to change so he was leading the conversation. You were just, you know, kind of following. Or, or did you start talking to him first? No, he was the one who started talking to me first. So he led the conversation from the very beginning. 
But then the way in which he led the conversation was through good questions, curious questions. He wasn't talking at me. He just went like curious, authentic, genuine, mm -hmm, genuine right. interest, Laura. He was just asking me. I mean, he got me to realize, again, going back to influence, some goals that I didn't even have thought of. That is so cool. And, and that's a great example of how one conversation can change your life. I mean, literally, it did change the trajectory of your life and his and, you know, lots of people that are affected by that. And there's a lot of people listening that maybe they live in California, but they're originally from some part of India or some part of China or Latin America. And a lot of times, though, they feel because they tell me, oh, Laura, but you know, English isn't my first language. So, so they keep themselves quiet because they think that people are judging them for the way they have an accent or the way they might express themselves. And I'm always telling them, no, guys, you're more interesting. Like, have you ever spoken to an American? Like, we butcher our language on a minute by minute basis. What would you say to that? Here you are, Mr. Global Influence. How did you manage that? Look, we are always being judged, okay? That is a fact. It happens. That's what we do in our minds. We're judging people, especially when it is something new, different. We tend to judge it. Positively, negatively, we create our opinion about things. When it comes to accents, there are preconceptions already. But then that is the invitation to change people's perceptions based on our accents. So what I always tend to say, use it to your advantage embrace it. Yes. So can you give an example of that? Yes. Going back to incredible relationships, I have a fantastic relationship with a person that was my first boss in Spain. Her name is Conchi. And recently, only three weeks ago, still over the Christmas period, we went out and had a chat and, you know, she wanted a signed copy of my book. She kept on telling everyone about the book. She was even more excited than I was. I said to her, remember, when I first joined, your organization as a, what you could call, well, it was an, a working experience. So I wasn't getting paid at the beginning because oh, I was wow. going through university in Spain when I started doing a, a diploma in international business. And I said to Conchi, Conchi, remember, I was your second option. You went from someone first and I was your second option, even though we went to the interview at the same time and everything. And then she said, yeah, it's interesting. That changed my perception for good. But the fact that you had an accent, that you had a Venezuelan accent, a Latin American accent back then influenced my decision. So what do you need to do? It's just keep on pushing. You will be rejected. We're always getting rejected, regardless of our accents and our origin and where we're from. Keep on pushing. Keep on embracing who you are. Be authentic because those who like you, they will very likely will end up loving you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because of the political situation in Venezuela, for those of you who are not intimately familiar with the country there, you know, in the last, I don't know, 20 years, Venezuelans have moved to Spain, to Chile, to Peru, the United States, Canada, Australia. Australia, yeah. But that country doesn't have a history of 
people leaving like they have in the in the last 20 years and probably accelerating. So in Spain, probably like in some other countries, like all of a sudden there's all these Venezuelans here and there's probably some anxiety like what's going to happen to our jobs or what do you think the perception was at the time that you moved there? Well, back then, because that was in 2006 when I moved to Spain, still, I mean, our accent was being confused with the Argentinian or the Canarian accent, people from the Canary Islands. Yeah, so most of the time, because of the way I look, people had already, again, preconceptions as to how I should look. And, you know, in terms of how, and then how I speak, then they would place me somewhere. And for me, it was Argentina most of the time. Sometimes it would be maybe Mexico and then definitely the Canary Islands or south of Spain. So they would always place me somewhere. I'm going to go back to embracing everything that you have that makes you different and using it to your advantage. I'm going to keep on referring back to that because that is the only way by, you know, if we keep on pushing and sticking out, well, standing up for what we believe in, we can begin to change people's perceptions. Okay. And again, we generalize, our human brain generalizes, and then we tend to put everyone in the same kind of pot, and then it is our responsibility. This is the way I like to take it. I own the problem, I own the challenge. It is my responsibility to change people's perceptions. Not about the country, but certainly about my accent, about myself. It is more challenging because then if you're living in Spain and you're Spanish, yes, I mean, it's part of what what's expected. But when you come in different, most of the time, if you come from Latin America, hey, Mm, why? I mean, let's just go for the person for what we know, because the other one we don't know. So then it gets more challenging. But that's the beauty of it. That's when you really push and make it work. And then you become an inspiration from many people out there that are achieving great things as well. So it, I can only see it as a positive. I totally agree. And if you speak another language, that means you've got at least twice as many neural pathways in your brain. You've got different ways of looking at any kind of problem, whether it's personal or technical, you're just more equipped. And if not, everybody realizes that. I mean, I, I'm always telling you, but you have to see that it's an advantage first, the fact that you have a bicultural, multicultural background, and then other people will see it as a disadvantage. But you can't sit there and wait for other people to see that. You have to show it to them. We are not on anything by people, yeah? They don't know us anything. We need to make it work. And when I say we, everyone that's, everyone that wants to achieve something in life, first of all. When it comes to, you know, going to a new country, being an immigrant, yeah, it gets, as I said, more challenging. You may need to work harder than the rest. So be it, but then you can achieve it. And it's beautiful. When you get to those points in life, it's just, wow. I mean, look at what I was capable of. And you know what's nice? That today, for instance, I was delivering a session to 15 people all around leadership, communication, feedback, challenging conversations. And it's nice to see how I am impacting people from different nationalities, different backgrounds, different accents. And think about the ripple effect because these people are living with new tools, with new perspectives, with different energy, more adaptability, more flexibility. That's beautiful. That's what we are creating when we embrace who we are. So Jose, you were just mentioned that you were teaching a class to 15 people about leadership and communication, feedback, difficult conversations, and they were all from different countries. I want you to tell us what makes your teaching, what is the content that's different 
when you're teaching people from different parts of the world versus everybody's from the same country? How do you have to make that different? Laura, the most important thing, first of all, in communication is to adapt to the people you are engaging with, okay? Regardless of nationalities. Now, when you are in the same room and you have people from different spaces, different backgrounds, different cultures, I like to simplify it, okay? Okay. Simplifying communication is key. And in order to simplify communication, I came up with an acronym, which is the SIMPLER, which is also in my book. And the SIMPLER acronym stands for, the S is to slow down. So important. Yes, slowing down because we have the accents and then we tend to be in our heads and then we speak very quickly, plus the accent, plus the other person, and then it can get messy. So it is about slowing down your thinking, first of all, so you're more perceptive of what's going on around you and with the other person, become more empathetic, and then also slowing down. Once you slow down your brain, your thinking, then you slow down your speech, which is something I'm doing right now, for instance, because, you know, yeah, it's actually taking a deeper breath. I love it. And you sound more calm and yeah. people are going to be listening more attentively because it's like the the velocity switch, it changed. So that's, you know, getting our brains to like, oh, pay attention now. Whoa, yeah, what happened? Exactly. That's one. And it makes sure people understand it. So it's about simplifying it. Then the I stands for intention. Be intentional with your communication. What is it that you want that person to take away? How do you want to, in terms of influence, how do you want to influence that person, positively influence that person? How do you want that person to be better off after your interaction? So be very intentional and text preparation, practice. Then multicultural lens. And that multicultural lens means challenge many of your assumptions and be open to what that person is presenting to you. Because then, you know, you have got different nationalities in the same way. You have different cultures, different beliefs. So be open, interact, be curious. That's that multicultural lens, which will help you challenging preconceptions. Because Mm -hmm. let's face it, we hear an accent, very likely we already have a preconception. There's something that's happened in the past and we're linking it to that. Well, pay attention to that. And at the same time, be open to what's happening. And then you can corroborate that. Yes, that's true. Or very likely it is the opposite or it isn't the case. So Mm -hmm. challenge those so you are present. Mm -hmm. You are not using previous experiences. You are brand new. Then the L, language. Pay attention to the language. Pay attention to the language you speak in terms of, yes, we use English. Simplify it. But then listen to the language. What are people really conveying in their message? Being attentive to what they're saying. Because that's what you can use in order to influence people. That's what you can use in order to interrupt behaviors that may not be supporting them in what they're doing. Then the E, and I'm, I'm almost there, the E, and then it's the R. The E is for, is what I like to call energetic engagement. Energy changes, but then you perceive it in people. Energetic engagement, again, it's about adapting your energy levels but it's also about showing excitement for meeting a new human being. Who doesn't want to be received in that way? And it's not just a smile. It's just that that interest, that curiosity, the way in which Alan approached me on that bus, that being very genuine, yes, just really wanting to connect. And then finally, 
always rethink. After your communication has taken place, how did that go? What could I have done differently? Did I have the impact I intended? Checking with that person is sort of that feedback that, you know, you can explore at the end. I love this. Yeah, it's a, it's a framework. So many people listening are they're like, oh, thank God we have a framework. We love frameworks. These engineers especially love frameworks. So we have a frame, and I'm going to, I'm going to just review it for everybody and, and give my take because you've said a lot of things that, that I often say, but I didn't put them into this framework. The word is simpler. And this is in terms of leader communication, being more engaging, where speaking so that people listen to you. Okay. So that's, that's what we all want, whether you're from, you know, Hampton, South Carolina, wherever you're from, that's what we all want at work. So slowing down, we speak faster, we get excited. I have this same problem. I get so excited and then I start going too fast. Here's a little kind of an auxiliary reason to slow down is that in influence, we want to make it easy for other people to do what we want them to do. Slowing down, it just makes it easier for people to understand what it is you're saying. So that's S, I is for intentional. Of course, you should, you know, why am I speaking? That's that weight. What do I want them to get? The multicultural lens, I think that's beautiful. I, I love the, the curiosity that you mentioned with that. And then the P was for preconceptions, right? To part those or just to understand. I mean, everybody has preconceptions and it could be really good. Like I have a very positive preconception about Venezuelans because I live there and have a lot of friends and it could be that I hire a Venezuelan who's not good you know because I just assumed something based on previous experience language I mean a lot of people come to me and say Laura I just don't have enough words my vocabulary is limited I can't say what I could say in my native language and I go back and I say it doesn't matter in business, keep it simple. And that's your whole simpler. I love it when people confirm my preconceptions, but just an extra way to take that to another level with language. When you use the word somebody else uses, that helps to create that uh, synchronicity. Energy and engagement, excitement, acting excited to meet somebody. My most recent semi-celebrity encounter, I had a woman on this podcast, a previous reality television producer who's won like all kinds of awards. Her content's been seen by 8 billion people. So she's definitely a much bigger fish than I am. And Jose, she acted like she was winning the lottery to talk to me. I mean, that was her attitude the whole time. So of course, I'm like the biggest fan ever. I'm just drooling in admiration because she showed interest in me. And we appreciate that when other people are smart enough to show interest in us. What would you say to people who tend to over-criticize and overthink things? I would say use the simpler model. That's <laughs> how I, <laughs> go through it again. <laughs> Look, I will invite them to communicate openly more often so that you begin to break the pattern. Okay, mm -hmm. because when you're overthinking what that's doing, as you're thinking, you're really not communicating those thoughts. Right. So begin to verbalize a little bit more often. Dare to fail along the process, because then that tends to be more analytical people. It makes sense. And it's important for them 
if I generalize on many occasions, they want to say the right thing because they want to yes. be respected for yes. their knowledge, right? Yes. So there to make more mistakes and also think about other people as well. Think about the impact you could have on others if you share some of those thoughts more often. I always think that part of the problem is that your brain is just not used to speaking up in certain meetings because you get intimidated. And if you just start practicing and speaking up a little bit, asking a question, you build up that muscle memory in your brain. So what does it mean to have global influence? Does that mean that we're going to, you know, be like internationally known superstars and make billions of dollars? No, 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 no. My angle has always been, again, being an immigrant and the impact so many people have had on my life, then global influence is about helping people to shift, helping people change. It's about influencing without borders, regardless of where you are, regardless of the person you are communicating with. It's believing in the ability of others to make progress, to grow, to develop, to achieve what they don't think would be possible. This is global influence. I'll give you a story. I'll make it as short as I can. I had the opportunity to work with an incredible lady from India. And she worked as part of my team. It's a business that I used to run with my brother. Her name is Rashmi. She was incredible in many ways, but there was also something that, you know, she could definitely work on and improve. And it was her lack of confidence when presenting. Mm -hmm. Her lack of confidence of actually doing what we're doing at the moment, having this open conversation and interacting and engaging. I'm going to link this to always believing in people, as I said before, never give up on anyone, especially if you are in leadership, especially if you want to embrace the global influence concepts. Because after a year of working together, her being part of, you know, my team, I was running a show back then and I couldn't make it that day. And the best reward I received was to see Rashmi running the show in my absence and then getting incredible feedback from some of the participants later on. Oh, good. And then the ripple effect, because now she's impacting people differently. She's not working with us anymore, but she's moved on to greater things. That right. is global influence. It's global wellness. And was she working in a different country or was she working with you? Because I think building that trust across borders is it is hard, right? In order to build trust, there are many ways. There are many examples. There are many frameworks. But I'm going to go back to basics, but to something that is very meaningful to me. And it is also in the book. One of the most influential people in my life, uh, one of the best communicators I came across as I was growing up, a person that was admired, loved, respected, that had credibility, but an incredible level of approachability as well, was my granddad. So what I did was to understand what were the things he was doing very well, in hindsight, of course. And then I injected my angle into it. And I created my granddad's four steps for increasing what I like to call your internationality. It's not a word. I made it up to increase your internationality that we need to trust. Go for it. The one which in a way links to the simpler model is adjustable excitement. 
always is that excitement about engaging with people every time. If you're excited and excited has got different versions, then people are being influenced. They want to be with you. They want yeah. to listen to you. They care about what you say. That's the one. So have that adjustable excitement in your interaction. It doesn't matter, you know, where in the world they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if you're seeing in a camera. Yeah, just let's adjust. Look to connect in that sense. Then the second one, channel admiration. One thing my dad used to do was just to admire traits in people, be amused by them, embrace those things. So it's looking for the commonalities, but then channeling the admiration, being purposeful, being intentional again in terms of those things that you know he wanted to highlight when communicating with people. And it is, if you think about it, it is a version of feedback that you're providing. So you're always providing feedback in every interaction, but then it's, it's encouragement. Channel admiration. Yes, this is what I'm seeing. This is what you can do more of. Exactly. Encouragement. This is what you can that. change as well. But you see, it comes from that excitement. It comes from that channel admiration of that human being, their capabilities. I don't like to see what is. I like to see what it can be. Right. And that's the right, same right. in human beings. Yeah. So the third one, purposeful humor. As long as you don't use it to deflect, things and conflict and uncomfortable conversations, purposeful humor can be very powerful. It's not about cracking jokes. It's just having that amusement, you know, being amused about human behavior. So then you enjoy engagements. You don't take things so seriously. And then you can become more influential because, you know, you're not so emotional. You begin to be more rational as well. And then finally, this is the one I'm wrapping up with. Determined humility. Being determined to be humble. And that I link to being vulnerable. It doesn't matter if you're the leader, if you're the boss, if you're the one that knows the most. Humility will help you connect with individuals and it will build another level of respect. I think we need more humble leaders in the world and more people (laughs) would listen. Yeah. Yeah, so true. And I think some people have too much humility. They need to speak up more often. We need to like redistribute some of that. Yes, let's not confuse humility with that element of confidence, okay? So it's that being humble, but then... Being humble about my knowledge, communicating it, but without being arrogant. I think being helpful, like taking what all you know and being helpful is a way to kind of get the humility and the competence and the confidence all wrapped together. It's like you're not sharing what you know just to brag, but in order to be helpful to whatever the problem is that you're discussing. When you talk about global influence, I think what I'm taking is, is like a way of being today as a way of showing up as a leader in, a, in an interconnected world. But on the topic of building networks internationally, it's a little tricky when you don't see people. Do you have any ideas around building your network globally as a way of influence? Yes. I mean, the whole principle behind global influence is about exponential impact. Mm-hmm. You need to put yourself out there, but the way in which you put yourself out there will connect with some people, not with everybody, because it is important that authenticity piece. I link it to that being less vanilla. And there is a story oh, and there is, yeah. yeah, there are some elements in the book as well when I speak about being less vanilla and, you know, standing up for who you are. But then one of the things towards the end of the book that I recommend is just to put yourself out there and begin to influence larger audiences. Because then Mm -hmm. you mentioned public speaking, speaking, yes, attending conferences, adding value 
via social media can also be helpful depending oh, on, on the job, okay. on the work okay. you do. Absolutely, yeah. because then it will have that ripple effect. There are many people watching social media. It's not for you to become a, an influencer. It's not what I'm after, but a person of influence, a person that adds values to people's lives. So how to build networks? You need to put yourself out there, but then be mindful of how you're being perceived. What is it that you're putting out there? And in my opinion, it has to be value and a linking back to being confident, but also being humble. That's so important for me. Yeah. I love Uh, that. What social media channels do you use? I use all of them. There are certain videos that I tend to, the more motivational stuff I tend to do on Instagram Mm -hmm, in terms mm -hmm. of the videos that I publish. And on LinkedIn, it's more about the recommendations I get from people and some of the work I'm doing and the businesses I'm working with and who's inviting me to speak or who's inviting me to train. And this is, you know, a picture of the audience and things like that. Cool. Very but yeah, cool. Well, you can find me on various social media channels. Yeah. Well, we're going to link all that in the, in the notes uh, for this podcast episode. So this has been so helpful. I really appreciate the point of view where you're starting from like it's just assuming that you're working with people from a different culture from yourself I remember a taxi driver in Caracas telling me gosh how weird that your husband uh, married you when there's so many beautiful Venezuelans <laughs> <laughs> like, thank oh, you well who knew <laughs> you know <laughs> so, so all of those things and those are just minute details but yeah in the in the working environment even though you're more buttoned down and you have a, a clear goal and you have a pretty limited you know pool of vocabulary because it's get the job done but if you take the time to get to know the people and to connect with them and to help them, I think that everybody will be better off. And I, I just appreciate that message so much. So I'll say, I'm, I'm going to let you close. I'm going to let you, if there's something I didn't ask you that you wish I'd asked or, or some closing wisdom bombs you want to drop on our crowd and, and how you would like for them to reach out to you if, if anybody wants more. Fantastic. Well, first of all, Laura, it's been a pleasure to be here. People listening, if you got to this point, I'm extremely grateful. And I hope we can, you know, yeah, continue to be in touch. In terms of bombs that I would like to drop, I'm going to go with being intentional. But then this being intentional, I'm going to add some content onto it. Being intentional in terms of the positive impact you want to have on people, okay? Because, and this is not me who said this, it actually comes from Dale Carnegie. He said, they aren't neutral interactions. You either leave people worse off or better off. And the choice is yours. Every time you interact with another human being, you can make the conscious decision of leaving them better off. And that is one of the principles of my work, global influence, the impact I want to see in my environment and in the world. And also think about it this way. Because when it comes to international environments, it can take years, and Laura, you've been there, it can take years to learn a language really well. It can take years to understand a culture in depth. Mm-hmm. But as per my story with Alan, it can take minutes, less than an hour, to create a deep and impactful human connection. 
if you want to connect with me, then there's social media. You have me on LinkedIn, you have me on Instagram, you have me on Facebook. My website is very simple, is joseucar.com. Thank you so much, Jose. This has been a rich, encouraging conversation. And, and I know so many of the people listening are immigrants to this country or another country. So I think they're just going to feel so validated. So I'll tell my audience, you're welcome. Once Woo. again, great guest today, Jose Ucar, and we will catch everyone on the next episode. Thank you so much, Jose. Jose.